Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, I'm not so much, you know, this will kind of have some tie to what we talked about last week. But my main point of reference for last week and the main message that I wanted to get across was the fact that in the world we're going to see these challenges. In the world we're going to see the atrocities and the struggles and the things that we're seeing now almost on an everyday, almost on an hour by hour scale. And then the thing that also breaks me is not just the, the, the incidents that are occurring, but it's the responses to the incidents that are occurring. Do you know what I mean? that it's the commenting and it's the posting and it's the sharing. And nobody is really, uh, you know, engaging in any type of learning or let me get a better understanding, but we just quickly want to share our opinion, our values, our ideas. Um, And look, we have so many sides, but at the end of the day, what we're recognizing is this idea of preference, that when we live by our preferences and we live by what keeps us comfortable and we, we, operate in our lives by what we filter down to what only satisfies and gratifies gratifies us. Ultimately, we're missing out on the bigger picture. We're missing out on a greater perspective. And when my preference becomes greater, my perspective becomes weaker. When my preference becomes greater, when I exalt my preference above anything else, then my my, my perspective becomes more and more shallow and more and more lasered focused and more and more. So rather than encompassing my brothers and sisters, I ultimately uh, end up excluding my brothers and sisters because my preference is king. The way I want it to be done, what sounds good to me, what is comfortable to me. And this obviously speaks to any kind of race issues or race agenda that may be taking place, but it speaks to many different issues. And so my position as a pastor and why I'm here today and why I I minister here week after week is to challenge the church. I believe as the church goes, so goes the community. I believe as the church goes, so goes the world. I believe as the church goes, so goes the nation. I believe that is our responsibility and our obligation to the world to be the church of the living God. But when we're playing games in church or when we come to church to meet our preferences, now yes, there are gonna be certain non-negotiables you're going to have to have when you are finding the place that God wants to fit you in, absolutely. Doctrinally, they need to be correct. Morally, they need to be correct. Ethically, they need to be correct. Absolutely. There's going to be things that are going to be no-brainers. This has to be in place. But what I'm speaking to is a lot of the the natural uh, silliness that sometimes we build up in church when we determine what am I coming to church for. And there's all kinds of different reasonings. And I want to show you today here in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, that Paul is actually addressing that very issue with the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, And verse 10, he's 10 verses in to this book. He's 10 verses in to addressing the issue. 
And he says here in verse 10, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, One translation reads, Now I beseech you therefore, brethren. Where have we heard that before? Romans chapter 12. So with the same urgency that Paul was addressing the Roman church and he says, I'm urging you, I'm imploring you, I'm challenging you, I'm, I'm, I'm beseeching you with urgency, great intentionality. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. With that same urgency, he says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, brethren. So who's he talking to? The church. Not talking to the world, he's talking to the church of the living God. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say that there be no divisions among you and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. Look at his words. Let's read this again. That there be no divisions among you. Prior to that, he says that all of you agree, coming to agreement, that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. You're seeing this. Look at verse 11. For it has been reported to me about you. Somebody's told on you is what he's saying. Somebody has leaked what's happening in the church. And let me give you a little bit of history with the Corinthian church. This is one of the first churches that Paul planted. And Paul planted this church, and he was there physically in the church for about 18 months, about a year and a half. But Paul was not a pastor. wasn't Pastor Paul. He was Apostle Paul. In fact, in verse 1, he starts out, Paul called as an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. He says, I'm in this role, in an apostolic role. And apostles tend to start new things. The apostolic gift is one that's very challenging, very confronting. We'll get into a new place and challenge and disrupt. And, and they don't really settle in. They, they, they come in kind of like a, a bull through a china closet and is just, just uh, China, what is it, China cabinet, China closet, China something. Whatever. Bull going into China. <laughs> And changing things, disrupting things, and just messing things up, they'll get something planted and started, and then they'll leave it to someone else and go on and do the next work. And that's what Paul did. Paul had this apostolic gifting, this apostolic ministry. So he was there for about 18 months, and then in behind him comes another man named Apollos. Apollos was a pastor. Apollos came in, and, and he was pastoring, he was shepherding the flock, while Paul's now on his missionary journeys, continuing to plant and start other works and advancing the kingdom, advancing the gospel, just as God had called him to do. It wasn't because Paul got sick and tired of being in one place. It said, by God's will, by God's will, this is what God has assigned me to do. You know, a lot of times we mess things up because we're in a place where we shouldn't be. We either stay too long when God's told us to go, or we don't go when God's called us to stay. 
We've got to be very careful with transition. The church is, is sloppy with transition. The church doesn't really have this down very well. But, but Paul was very intentional with his ministry and where am I supposed to be? Who am I supposed to be influencing? How long am I supposed to be there? 18 months he goes and he writes this book, which actually isn't 1 Corinthians. He wrote another letter that's been lost. But he alludes in this book of things that he had previously written them. But we know this, that he wrote this book to the Corinthian church anywhere from four to seven years after he departed the church. Really, four to seven years after he started the church. So four to seven years, somewhere in that time window, he is addressing and confronting things that he's hearing are going on in the church. And the first thing that is reported to him, it has been reported to me, verse 11, about you, my brothers and sisters, by members of Chloe's people. Now he even called out the tattletales. You thought you were going to Paul in you know, an, you know, anonymity and he just calls you out right there in his letter. Uh, they told me. That's great. Now let me tell you something. There are some things that need to be reported to leadership. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a responsibility to hold each other accountable. And our first thought should not be, oh, I see them blowing it. I'm going to go tell the pastor. No, we have a right and we have an obligation as believers and brothers and sisters, if you see your brother and sister failing or in, a, in, 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 in sin or in something that is uh, harmful, you should confront them in love and say, man, I see this happening in your life and this isn't good. This is gonna be dangerous. And call it out quickly. Again, in love to see them restored, not see them continue to struggle and continue to fail. But as brothers and sisters, we also need to recognize that we have limitations. I kind of put it this way. You can help someone maybe on the first or second offense, but when you see it becoming cyclical and they run back to it and it's a repeated habit or it's a repeated uh, uh, behavior, now it's time to get some leadership involved. I can help you the first time that you were struggling with that. But now I'm seeing that this is becoming a repeated habit for you and you're, you're struggling to maintain. Let's bring the pastor in. Let's bring some leadership in. Again, to help you. Not to rattle you out. Not to tell all your junk to the leadership of the church. But to get you the help that you need because we all, we all want to see you succeed. That's the only reason why we're confronting this and asking that we work on this. But Jesus was very clear. If you see a speck in your brother's eye, you had better make sure you take care of the log in your own eye, right? So we all have a responsibility to take care of ourselves. But he didn't abandon ever addressing your brother's speck. He just said, make sure you take care of your stuff. But once we have checked ourselves and judged ourselves rightly, I still need to be in a position to help hold my brother and sister accountable. And let me tell you this, we all need accountability in our lives. We need it. 
a lot of what we're seeing in the world today is just a lack of accountability. People answering to the proper authorities. Look, Jesus came to deliver to us a government, not a religion. And government comes with rank and structure. Government comes with who are we answering to and who are you over? Who are you responsible for and who are you responsible to? That's government according to God's way. And his is the best government. I mean, if I tell you right now, God's answer for the world today is government. All of you are shooting me down. I understand because we've seen man fail at it time and time again. Because God's the only one that can put in place a perfect government structure that has the best interest, best interest of the people. When we lose the best interest of the people, that's why we don't hold people accountable anymore. That's why we don't uh, want to. Uh, look, it is not a love walk for me to look past sin in your life and not call you out on it. That is not love. Love will say, this is harmful. This is hurtful. This will destroy you. This is dangerous. And call it out when it's a seed so we don't have to try to cut down a tree later. Amen. Little side note there, but just recognizing the members of Chloe's household, they thought Paul needs to know about this. What did he need to know about? What was this great sin? What was this great travesty that was taking place in this church? Verse 12, or no, verse 11, let's finish. By members of Chloe's people that there is rivalry among you. Rivalry. Uh, the New King James says divisions. Divisions. Verse 12, what I'm saying is this. One of you says, I belong to Paul. Or, I belong to Apollos. Or, I belong to Cephas, that's Peter. Or, I belong to Christ. I mean, I know this is not anything we have to deal with in our world today, that people would rally and divide and cause a rivalry over following a leadership. That's nothing that we ever have to deal with in our world today, but back then it was pretty prominent. Does this sound familiar? Well, I follow so-and-so. Well, I follow so And look, at the end of the day, they would all say, we're believers. We're Christians. But yet in this moment, one is keeping ties with Paul. He was the original founder of the church. One is keeping ties with Apollos. Well, Apollos is the one that's come in and taken over for what Paul did. And honestly, Apollos is way better than Paul. You know, Paul... He was actually disappointing to see in person. He actually says this a couple of chapters later. I don't come to you with eloquence of speech. Apollos, dude, that guy can speak. That guy is an orator. That guy is eloquent. That guy knows how to put together a message. Man, I took, I took three pages of notes off of Apollos' message the other day. Paul shows up, broken down little man, because he'd been beaten up so many times, probably bald-headed, shortened stature, uh, probably doesn't even speak well, and he even alludes, I can't even put together a sentence. That's why I write. Tell me what books Apollos wrote. Why? Because they each have their gifting. So Apollos can't be Paul, but Paul can't be Apollos. Then we've got others that say, well, I am tied. I follow Peter. 
probably the original Jewish believers that didn't like all the Greeks coming in and this whole, uh, you know, being inclusive of all these other nations. Like, we're the original Christians because Peter walked with Jesus and we, we followed the Lord closely. And, 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 and so they probably had these real, you know, traditional ties. And then you probably have these super spiritual ones that are like, well, we follow Jesus. We follow Christ. You got four different groupings, all dividing over who they follow and who they lean towards. Divisions. Built around preference. We have two things in this verse. We have diversity and we have division. Diversity does not mean we have to have division. And this is what the world is struggling with. But even a step further, the church is struggling with it. Diversity to God does not mean division. It's two different things. Just because I have varying methods. What did he say back in verse 10? I urge you that you all agree in what you say. You see that? You know what, you know what has been just just you know through through all this the last several weeks. One of the things that I have seen happen so much is we're turning allies into enemies. It's almost like we're we're not satisfied. That, the, that there's already enough division in the world that we have to create division where there is none. Have y'all seen this? Now we're picking apart the way or how I say something and we have two different parties arguing over how they say something when really they're both saying the same thing. This is how sickening this is getting now. We all want the same thing. But the enemy knows where there is division, there is no growth. Where there is division, there is no advancement. Where there is division, there is no health. Show me anything divided that is healthy. Show me anything divided that continues to grow and expand in a healthy way, not in a cancerous way. You can't do it. Division always leads to death. The enemy has been up to division and divisiveness from day one. From day one. What did he take? He took God's word to Adam and Eve. Did he really say you could not eat of the tree lest you would die? Engage them in a conversation over words. And Paul is saying here, you need to be in agreement in what you say, that there be no divisions among you. He didn't say that there wouldn't be diversity. There will be diversity. Jesus, Peter, Apollos, and Paul are four different ways to achieve the same thing. They are all after one thing, the gospel of the kingdom of God. All of them. But they all had four different approaches. 
And not one of them could be the other person. Not one of them. You know, even Peter and Paul at one point got, kind of got into it a little bit. Just relationally. Why? Because we want to highlight differences rather than unite on sameness. We want to highlight methods of how we're doing something and we forget that we're all trying to accomplish the same thing. Where does he say to become united? Become united, watch this, with the same understanding and the same conviction. The same understanding and the same conviction. Not on our methods, not on our approach, not on how he said it or the way he said it. Not favoring one over the other, not preferring one over the other, but recognizing that we're all needed. And that we need a variety. That we need diversity. That we need to have all the different kinds of perspectives. That we need to have, there are so many different ways to look at the same thing. And you can do it without compromising the word of God. You can do it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be telling us to. His answer isn't, okay, all of my people, Paul, let's go over here to this corner. We're going to start, uh, you know, the first church of Paul. And then all of Paulus' people, you're going to start the first church of Apollos. And then all of Peter's people, first church of Peter. And then all of Jesus' people, first church of Jesus Christ. But that's what we've done. <laughs> I've told you before, denominations is just a cute churchy word for preference. That's all it is. When we say, I'm of this denomination, all you're saying is, I'm of this preference. I know it's deeper than that. A lot of denominations, it really refers to their governing, governing structure and the legalities of how the ministry or the organization is set up. I understand that. But at the essence of it, denominations are built on this is how I see it. This is how the Baptists see it. And this is how the Pentecostals see it. And this is how the... And we go on down the list. 300, over 300,000 denominations just within Christianity alone. And probably more. And then when we say well, we're non-denominational, that really just means you're of the non-denominational denomination. <laughs> we're our own denomination. <laughs> yeah, over 300,000 different ways to read one book. One book. The book that's never changed. The book will never be done away with. But we can all get different perspectives and all get different viewpoints. And some are harmful, sure. Some people have left things out that belong in there. They're there for a reason. Some people want to challenge, well, what was God really saying? Some people want to challenge and want to filter God's word through their experiences. Yeah, that's, that's not good at all. God's word is never at the mercy of your experience. God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't have a time stamp on it. It says it's an expiration date. It's only good until 
It's not going to change. As much as you want to look at it, however you want to look at it, as much as you want to try to tweak and adjust and, and come up with as many translations as you want. Some of these translations, man, I'll tell you what, you got to be careful. Because they will, they will twist and see the enemy, he, he's subtle, he's cunning. He's not just going to come in and disrupt everything. He subtly changes over time. Before you know it, we start buying into something that's not even biblical. So yeah, I understand that there are harmful perspectives and there are things that need to be judged rightly. The word tells us, rightly divide the word of truth, which means that the word of truth can be wrongly divided. If it can be rightly divided, it can be wrongly divided. If he tells me to be a studier of the word and show myself approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, then apparently I, there's more in here I need to dig into. And when I play church and when I'm just trying to get my verse of the day on my version app or I'm just trying to get in my, my Bible reading and check off a box, then yeah, I'm going to fall susceptible and fall prey to the divisive schemes of the enemy. But Paul is not addressing necessarily those that are doing wrong and, and, and communicating wrong. He's trying to help them see all four of us are after the same common goal. But yet you've created divisions and rivalries where you ought to be working together. You're fighting against one another. And while you should be saving your energy because it's us against the enemy, rather we're fighting each other and wasting our energy. We don't even have the energy to fight the real problem because we're wasting all of our efforts fighting each other on how we're addressing the same problem. There is a dissecting of words today that is beyond belief. It's incredible. We've completely forgotten the motivations and the intentions. You know what? I might say some things even from this pulpit, and I may get it wrong. But my intention and my heart is only for your best interest. Period. I may not word it exactly the way you like. And I honestly, I may word it incorrectly, but with as much knowledge as I have at the time that I said it. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's addressing these divisions. I belong to Paul. I prefer Paul. I belong to Apollos. I prefer Apollos. I belong to Peter. I prefer Peter. I belong to Christ. I prefer Christ. And look at his next statement, verse 13. Is Christ divided? <laughs> That's the title of my message today. It's a question. Is Christ divided? divided or have we discreetly picked and, and chosen the parts of Christ that we like but then leave out the parts we don't 
I told you last week, it's absolutely impossible for any minister to get into a pulpit and on natural ability alone, be able to speak to every experience and every heart and every soul and every thought process and every level of education and every uh, economic background uh, and, and, and every spiritual background, every religious. I mean, some of you walked in here off the street not even knowing who Jesus is. And some of you came out of the womb in church. The, your first Sunday in the world you were in church. That was me. It's all I've ever known. So it helps me to gain a perspective from somebody that didn't have that background and that understanding because last week we learned I've got a blind spot. I've never done drugs in my life. I couldn't even tell you what they are, what they do, what they look like, what they smell like. I, I haven't even been around it that I know of. But yet some of you are so well versed in it, you could teach all of us. Don't look around. <laughs> look right here. Who are you looking at? So it helps me to sit and listen to another perspective. We're both after the same thing. We're both going, we're trying to achieve the same goal. There's people in this room that you can help me pastor because you can speak to a community I can't. Now, look, that also doesn't remove me from being able, I've heard that argument. Well, God had me go through this to help people with this. Jesus never did drugs. Jesus never fornicated. Jesus never slept around. Jesus never got drunk. Jesus never did any of the things that he helped a lot of people get out of. If you've got the answer, you've got the answer. And it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by the spirit of God within me. And I'm gonna point you back to one word, one book, one man. But that doesn't also negate the fact that there are opportunities in this room that some of you have been through things. Oh, I've been through stuff. Yeah. Lost a, lost a brother at 25 years old to drugs. Not in the planet anymore. Lost a 24-week-old daughter in 2008. There's experiences I have. And I don't, I don't limit what God can do in my life to those experiences. But I am open saying, God, how do you want to use this? You didn't do it. It didn't come from you. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You came to bring life. But there's some way you're going to use this for your glory. There's some way you're going to use this. Isn't that what Jesus said about Lazarus? He waited four days to raise him up out of a grave to prove to everybody that he can raise me up in a three. Come on. Perspectives are important. And when we don't value perspectives, division's the only answer. When we don't value how someone else may see something, and he's talking to the church. 
He's talking to brothers and sisters that if you went to each of these four groups, they would all say, I'm a Christian, we preach Christ. I'm a Christian, we preach Christ. I'm a Christian, we preach Christ. But here's the thing. Rather than valuing diversity, your division has caused a diversion. Your division has caused a diversion that nobody wants to even hear about your gospel anymore because you're so focused on each other. And the world watches how you are treating one another in the church. I believe it's still the same today. You know, Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples because of your love for the brethren. James says, or no, John. John states, you can't say you love God but hate your brother. Nope. This division always breeds diversion. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in Paul's name? Look what he says in verse 14. I thank God that I baptized none of you. Oh, well, thanks, Paul. I would have considered it an honor to be baptized by Paul, but apparently not the other way around. I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one can say you were baptized in my name. I did, in fact, baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't recall if I baptized anyone else. And I hope he didn't forget someone because you know that other person's reading this like, you baptized me, you didn't mention me. You're feeling left out. Look what he says here in verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect. That's that's pretty amazing. Coming from the catalyst of the church. Understand, you and I, we are here today because of this one man. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. You know, we say that about Paul a lot, but he never said that about himself. Now, let me remind you, I've written two-thirds of this book. I know a little bit of what I'm talking about. But Paul also knows I've got to stay in my lane. I value Apollos. I need Apollos' gift. It could have been easy for Paul to get bummed out, writing all these books to these churches, showing up at the churches, and they're all disappointed when he opens his mouth and starts speaking because he doesn't sound like what they think he's going to sound like. could have been easy for like, I'm not anointed. What am I doing? Apollos is a way better speaker than I am. I could never put together a message like that. I can never get such wisdom, speak it so eloquently. 
what am I even doing in ministry? Why am I even taking these stripes on my, why am I enduring all this? I died last weekend. I walked, I got back up, went back into town. Why am I even going through all this? He's way better than me. No. Paul valued his gift. Paul valued what he brought to the table. Paul valued what God called him to do. I believe that a a lack of self-worth and a lack of self-identity only breeds and fosters more division because you don't even know who you are or who God's called you to be from the start. So you're always living at the mercy of what everybody else thinks about you. That's a terrible way to live. You know why? Because people are flighty. They like you one second. You know, I'm I'm one word from God, (laughs) from you hating me and leaving this church. And I have no control over that. I've got to say what God tells me to say. I've got to preach his word and let the chips fall where they may. I understand that. I do not covet these pastors that pastor these 5, 10, 15, 20,000 member churches. Because they could split that church in half and splitting their church in half would be the challenge they must fight with Saturday night saying, God, if I say that, half ain't coming back. That's got to be a tough battle. I don't want to be there until I'm ready to be there. And I have God's grace on my life to handle that amount of pressure. But Jesus didn't live for the purpose of man and for the praise of man. So he wasn't moved by his critics either. See, if you live for their praise, you'll die by their critics, by their criticism. If you live for their glory, then you'll die when they ignore you. Jesus said, I'm going on, regardless of what you think. I'm going on regardless of what you... Yeah, you were following me when I was doing all those signs and wonders and breaking bread and handing out Chick-fil-A baskets, you know, yesterday. But now I'm talking about eating, the, eating my flesh and drinking my blood. And everybody's like, whoa, I ain't having none of that. And left him. And he even turned to his own disciples, the key disciples. Because Peter responded. He looked at his own disciples and he said, you going to go too? There's the door. And Peter said, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. Peter didn't respond with, well, we've gone this far. Might as well see this thing through. He didn't respond with, well, you know, we're just so close. I could never leave you like that. No, his response was, you have the words of life. Even though no one else may see it, you have the words of life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul addresses this a little further. You getting something today? He goes a little bit further in what these divisions are doing. In verse 1, he says, For my part, brothers and sisters, 
I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. That does not sound (laughs) like a compliment. Not after four to seven years. Maybe initially, when you first started this thing, Paul, Yeah, we're just infants. We're just babes in Christ, man. We just want to learn. We just want to grow. But four to seven years later, Paul is communicating. There's an expectation that within this four to seven year window, you should have grown to a certain degree and you should have eliminated certain things. And you should be able to do other certain things. He says, I couldn't even speak to you as spiritual people. If you go to 1 Corinthians 14, you'll find out just how spiritual they thought they were. There were signs and wonders and gifts and tongues and interpretations and prophecies and songs. I mean, every service they had, the, 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 the pastor didn't even get to speak because all the congregation members are just busy doing their little prophetic things. And Paul actually has to address them. Paul actually has to confront them and challenge them and say, you're not even spiritual people. Those are not indicators that you're a spiritual person. Well, he speaks in tongues. Well, he gave up, he came up and gave a prophecy last Sunday. He must be such a spirit. Wish I could walk as closely as, no. That apparently is not an indicator. Paul calls them right out. You're not spiritual. You're babies. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, because you were not ready. In fact, you're still not ready. He said, I want to. I want to give you the solid food of the word. I want to go deeper. I want to communicate deeper things with you, but I can't. Not because I can't do it, because you can't receive it. There's a responsibility as a believer to grow and to be able to take these things on. Now look at what he points to as the limiting factor. You would be thinking it'd be something horrible, some major travesty. And there are some pretty corrupt, gross things that happen in this book. You actually have a son that is sleeping with his stepmom, his father's wife. Obviously not his mom. His father apparently remarried, and he's sleeping with her. Yeah. Paul even writes, that's the kind of thing that not even the world would do. That's how sick you are. So yeah, there's some major sinful things going on, some major flaws. But look at what he points to here as their reason why they are not yet spiritual. For since there is envy and strife, among you. Are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? Divisions. He's he's alluding back to those divisions we talked about in chapter one. You got the Paul group. You got the Apollos group. You got the Peter group. You got the Jesus Christ group. You got the super spiritual group. You got the baby group. You got this group. You got that. All of you got your little little corners, your little sections. And you're actually fighting with one another 
over who you follow. And because of that, you're not spiritual. He doesn't even call, call out the, the fornication and the taking each other to, to court and, and the lawsuits and, you know, they're getting drunk during communion. Hello. That's happening. First Corinthians. Getting drunk during communion. Let me get another hit. Let me get another. That's probably not even what you call it. You're all laughing at me because you're like, you don't take hits of alcohol, Pastor Mark. Whatever. Go get you a pastor that knows all about the terminology then. What? I'm not your guy. If that's your preference. <laughs> oh. Need something to laugh about. No, he points out it's, their, it's your divisions, it's your strife, your envy, your, your, your backbiting and talking about each other. No, he says, for whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? When I was in Bible school, we had an instructor, Doug Jones, and um, I remember my very first class, he, he taught on righteousness. And uh, Doug Jones, man, incredible, phenomenal teacher. And he taught a class on honor. I mean, we're all, you know, first year students, and we're just blown away. And apparently, this was the issue every year that first-year students would just be blown away by his teaching, and then we would say this, Doug Jones is my favorite teacher. And he knew that was his reputation. He knew that about him. Am I right, Adam? Am I right? So he comes into class one day, and I'm sure he did this every year to every first-year class, and probably just got a kick out of it. But he did a whole class on why it's incorrect to have a favorite teacher. And we're like, well, you can say that because you are the favorite teacher. But he discussed how when you favor one, you subconsciously devalue another. That's just humanity. That's just what we do. The second you identify, I really like the way, then he becomes the standard that everybody else has now to try to rise up to. And if they don't, you're on the edge of your seat in his class and falling out of your seat in the next one, asleep. Yeah, I sat next to students that literally fell asleep in class, in Bible school. I'm not gonna tell you where they're pastoring, 
but they are pastoring. How would you like to know my pastor fell asleep in Bible school? How would you like to know that? Would you, would you be excited to find out I, your pastor, fell asleep in Bible school learning the word of God? Raise the, go ahead, show your hands. No, didn't think so. Yeah, it happened. He wasn't the only one. My pastor, Pastor Earl, worked third shift and would still go to class, and he would stand up in the back of the classroom against the wall to make sure he didn't fall asleep. When you want to learn and when the value is there, you'll do whatever it takes to get it. And it won't matter if they're boring or if they don't sound like that guy or their notes aren't as well put together or if they're not as eloquent or they don't have quite the oratorical skills that so-and-so has. You will drain and draw every ounce of knowledge they have inside of them. So Paul's identifying. You, you're over here creating all these divisions over your preferences he says in verse 5, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed. And each has the role the Lord has given them. I'm in the role. I'm in the fit God has given me. And I know people want me to be different things at different times. I won't be your last pastor. I won't be the next pastor. I'm not the one that's going to bring the prophetic words. I'm just telling you. I'm going to be used how God's going to use me. I know what my strengths are. I know what God is doing in me. I know what he's working on. And so don't compare me to where you came from. Don't compare me, well, the so-and-so on TV. See, Paul didn't have a TV ministry. So when he showed up, that was the first time they ever saw him. This is the guy that wrote those books? I didn't think he looked like that, sound like that, act like that, speak like that. They had these preferences. But what are we? We're just servants through whom you've believed. I planted Apollos watered, but here's the real focus. God brings the increase. God brings the growth. We're not even the ones that bring the growth. God does. What's he saying? You got your eyes on the wrong source. If I'm your source, if Paul's your source, if Apollos is your source, if Peter's your source, then you've got your eyes on the wrong thing. It's God that brings the increase. It's God who you should be going for, for the development and what you need in your life. Not man. Man can never give you what only God can give you. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field and God's building. When we do not value the varying gifts and the diversity of callings, we, we talked about it last week. We've got nine fruits of the Spirit, all different. We've got nine gifts of the Spirit, all different. 
We've got five different ministry gifts in the body of Christ. All different. And there may be some that you lean to. I can tell you right now, I can sit up on a, under a teacher all day long. I love it. But if I get up under the office of a prophet, apostle, pastor, evangelist, I mean, this guy right here, him and I could not be further distinct from one another in our giftings. And those of you that know Chris Musgrove, Pastor Chris Musgrove, know what I'm talking about. He was just ministering two weeks ago in here. A lot different. Yeah. But we value every gift. We value the diversity that is in the body of Christ. And here's what I know. I need all of it. We need the zealous evangelist that is calling in people from the lost into the kingdom of God, those that are far away from God, to be drawn near to him. But then you need pastors to shepherd them up, raise them up, teach them in their ways, hold them accountable, feed them, treasure them, protect them. If you have a counseling session with Pastor Chris, it might not go very well because he may not listen to a whole lot you're saying. Just telling you. Just Just saying. That's not who you want to counsel with. He'll be looking all over the room. He'll probably tell you 10 different stories. And you'll find somewhere about three generations back where your folk know his folk. (laughs) Amen? But if you need someone to go up into a middle school or a high school worship team, if you come and preach the house down and people that are far from God that he can do I watch him up on that stage and sure it's a little intimidating sometimes be like when I give an altar call like looking across the room no hands sometimes I'll make it up I see that hand because everybody's heads bowed (laughs) just so we I'll make it up just to make y'all feel like somebody responded I see that. They were just scratching their face. They were just, I see that hand. I see it. Amen. One response, put it down. Why? We need the diversity of gifts. We need the diversity in the church. And if I don't value diversity, my fate is division and diversion from what God is trying to do. I hope you hear my heart today. In a world that is finding every reason and every way to divide, and even where there isn't division, they will make up division. Can we have a church that will forcefully find a way to unify? Unite in the same understanding. Unite in the same conviction but value the diversity of our methods in how we get to that conclusion. We all want the same goal. We all want the same ending. We all want the same conclusion. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website 
at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.